Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. My name is Crystal Fall, and the Toolkit, my guest today is writer-director Boots Riley, uh, whose Sundance breakout, actually, you know what? We're coming off a 800 theater, $5 million weekend, whose hit, summer hit film, not Sundance breakout. <laughs> Sorry to bother you. Uh, is in theaters now, gonna expand again this week. It's a real jolt of energy um, to poke in the eye. It's got a lot on its mind. Uh, but it's really cinematically playful and has a lot of fun in the process. And uh, you have a lot on your mind. There's some activist roots here, but there's an element here of not wanting to make a message film, of kind of dialing back, of not making what we call an important film. But at the same time, there's there is this element of things that you're trying to say. And mm -hmm. this one, there's this element. It's a little bit more fun. It's like it's, I understand that your music was a little bit that same way, and it seems to be like an important thing to like not feel like a message film or be quote important. Yeah, and I don't think I take it from that standpoint of whether it is or isn't, but I think um, always my music has, um, ha is the same as the film in which my analysis of the problem also leads me to how I communicate, mm -hmm. right? So um, I don't think that all these things are happening just because, you know, in our world, because the wrong people are there and if we replace them with the good people, then it's great. Mm -hmm. No, I, I believe that it has to do with our economic system. And therefore, my view of how the economic system can change and what, what its motor is, has to do with it, you know, with the, the, that capitalism is, it is the problem and that the, the motor of capitalism is the exploitation of labor. Just follow me here. Mm -hmm. So because of that, that means um, that the people have power on the, the level that they're at, that we can force, that the, the, the working class can force the ruling class to do what we need it to do if we can just, you know, have control of our own labor. And uh, so what that means is what I'm doing is not just laying out a litany of things that are wrong. Mm. On the one hand, I'm, uh, I am saying that, but I'm saying here is the way that we can change it. And so that makes me address people differently. My voice is different because of that. And also with the idea that you already know what's wrong. Mm. That idea that, because sometimes artists have relegated themselves to the point of where I'm just exposing the ideas, mm. as like Detroit says in the movie, exposing the bullshit. And if that's all you're there to do, you don't have much of a job because most of us know what the bullshit is. Mm. But for me, I'm saying, I'm assuming you already agree with me, as opposed to being like, I'm important because I'm showing you this new thing that you never thought about, right? And it changes the voice a lot. You already know what's wrong, you the, the viewer, and here is the way we can, we can change it. And I, I, never, I never assume my viewer disagrees with me. And, and, and so that changes how I've done my music and everything. And it's also, I never really was like, so I think what you're talking about in dialing it back is this sort of preachiness that comes with certain art that assumes that they're 
Jesus because they are. Um, I have the point of view. I have the yeah, God's yeah. eye on this, and this is you know. Yeah. If you see this, I mean, part of what the film is also undermining is also this idea that one individual is going to be able to do something like that. Yeah. And and if if you do that, you're also kind of saying the artist is going to make the difference. Like yeah. this film is. It, 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 your film's about it wants to be part of a movement in the in in that collective rather than this is boots telling you how yeah. you know how it is exactly yeah um and that's so i think that that changes so much of it, it along with that also viewpoint that comes with there's an optimism mm. that maybe isn't in other art and what i'm saying the reason why i think it isn't is because it, the reason I think it's that way is because of, it also goes back to the analysis. I have an analysis that says there is a way to change things. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's not just there are two million things that we have to change. No, there's a core problem that we have to change that will change the other two million problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's an optimism that I, you know, even though I would say there there are definitely dark things in the movie, and I don't think that the optimism is having optimism means to overlook them. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that has a lot to do with the tone of what I set up and how I'm approaching it at all times. I don't want to go too much into this music into film thing, but off that, you know, I, I, I was reading somewhere and you said something along the lines of, um, you know, the way you used to write songs, there was a kind of in between the idea, the thoughts, and, and the words was images. And that mm -hmm. therefore there was an element here of writing the Sorry to Bother You screenplay that was actually almost easier than the Sorry to Bother You album because yeah. it was, you're almost like eliminating a step. I wonder if you could talk yeah. about that because I mean, there is something so fresh and inventive and um, assured about this film that's not necessarily associated with a first time feature filmmaker. And um, that process of, you know, the, this being an extension of almost the way that you write songs because of that way the uh, images seem to have driven so much of your music. Yeah. Um, so often, I, you know, I'm I'm trying to get my um, I, the, I'm trying to get to my art in in music uh, through a couple processes. One being um, making something that is that is personal. Now, first of all, I, I've had a lot of experience of doing it in ways that I thought were crass and d didn't work as well. Some of those things are popular, got, were popular for me, but that I just didn't think worked. And, and so I've had the experience of quote unquote failing in, in that sense. And, and um, you know, and what I came up with is that it was a lot more, uh, I could communicate a lot better if I was personal. If, if I talked about my experiences with in, in the world in small ways, but made sure I was honest with my feelings about how those small experiences connected to the were in context with the with the rest of the world so often to do that I have to parse out what my experiences are mm -hmm. like because a lot of what's in our head and what leans us towards cliche and things like that are that when you're writing let's say you're writing a breakup scene or a breakup song you know 
um, your idea of what goes down in a breakup will often be stuff that happened in other movies right. or something like that. And that's why so many breakup scenes in movies are really cliche, you know. I've experienced more breakups in movies than I have in my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then if you are like, okay, well, what happened? And you, in, in your real life, in your breakup, mm. you might be like, oh, it's not really cinematic. And the reason you're saying that is because it hasn't been in cinema yet, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and there's a way to, there would be a way to represent that cinematically and, and you know, uh, and, and maybe cause some inventiveness to make that, that real feeling that exists mm-hmm. be represented. So anyway, with songs, I've had to do that and, and figure out that. And then, but then there's the extra step in songs where music, because it's something that you do play over and over, like in the time that you watch a movie, you might play a song hundred times or 50 times like if you really like it and it's that time when you have it on repeat and you're playing it in a two-hour period you've played that song out and, and then throughout your life it's going to be playing thousands of times at different uh, important places in your life so so much of music is also about identity right mm-hmm. this is my song this is the and 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 there's this other aspect to songs that um, has to do with kind of getting the essence of something. There's different ways to write lyrics, but mm-hmm. you know, for me, where I'm at right now, it has to do with like getting to the essence of something in some like poetic way that, and, and, and things being painted with words in different ways, you know, so there's all these other layers, really. It's not even just this one step. There's all these other layers that, you know, um, if you're good, you can let your mind do that without thinking about it. But if you're like me, I'm also like double thinking about what I'm doing and all that kind of stuff. So um, for me, although there is some step that has to do with a scene in my head you know, being typed out or whatever, I still, you know, it's much less. Mm-hmm. It's, it's much less of a filter. Um, and yeah, I would always be, you know, somebody says something on the bus, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, I can, I'm gonna put that in a song or whatever. You know, some something that represents that thought or that feeling. Mm-hmm. Somebody's, but doing a movie, oh, they're on the bus and they're saying that, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so that is uh, definitely, so, so yeah, it, it, a lot of those, these same creative, these creative processes have always been part of what I'm doing. Like, you know, I often will write songs while thinking about what the video looks like even if I know there's not a video mm-hmm. going to be made for it. It's just part of what helps me um, do it. And, you know, yeah, in the back of my mind, maybe we'll make a video for it. But um, it's, it's all, all the senses have always been connected. And I think, anyway, when people listen to music, they picture something yeah, yeah. anyway. 
you know, there's also the, the, there's a surreal element here, and it seems as if um, part of part of it is also kind of digging into the contradiction. Mm. You know, and I oh, yeah. and I was reading a little bit, like I saw, you know, in your background, you've got the uh, you were good at telemarketing while you and you were using the money you were making from that to mm. to be an organizer, and yeah. and I read that beautiful thing that you wrote for Vanity Fair about yeah. driving through Oakland, yeah, and that kind of distance between what you know, what your neighborhood felt like then and now. And, you know, one, and one almost feels like there's an element, I think there was a quote somewhere about there that this is a lot about the contradictions in your head. And that, that seems to be like yeah. a driving force here. And also, in also the fact that um, it gives it that other feel. That's, that's where a lot of the surrealism, that's yeah, where a lot of the comedy is coming from. Yeah, so when I was, right, again, a, um, a big part of my process is, you know, and then part of my ego is to try to not be, try to be the least, have a, the least amount of cliche as possible. And um, because I feel like then that makes, uh, you know, why do I care about that? Mm -hmm. People love songs that they know. People love, you know, like your kids want to watch the same movie over and over again. Maybe it doesn't matter. But the reason that it matters to me is because I think that's part of what, makes it feel human is the uniqueness mm -hmm. you know of it um i think you know, just going off on a side thing i think that's why like lakeith stanfield works so well in this movie is because his his way of showing his humanness is he i feel like his process is that um he's not as much concerned with what he looks like outwardly while he's doing it He's just about being in that emotion. He's not like w concerned with whether he's showing it or not. And then, so he does show it in certain ways, but he also then makes decisions that others wouldn't. So like where he, it seems a little bit off or different because it's more reflective of him um, as opposed to the way you're supposed to confront somebody or the way, you know, he's doing it his, in his own way and so it feels more human because it's so unique and therefore that uniqueness makes it more universally relatable because you feel more human about it and similarly you know f fighting the, the cliches that that kind of creep in um, I, you know, I I'm looking for that and thinking about what my real experiences are and, and, it, and it's a it's an it's a exercise in concentration because it's kind of hard to parse that out, like where, where our views of the world come from. And um, so when writing this, if I'm writing a scene, I have to think about what I really feel about this and being honest with myself about it. And, you know, some of how I feel about things has to do with some of my larger views on the world and so the context of things happening are important the things that maybe are in someone's head that you wouldn't actually see happening or the other things that they mean are just as important these are things that you can put in a novel mm. easily right right 
because the rider can be like, can go off. On you can go stream of consciousness and yeah. connect things. Yeah. And there's one thing that's really fascinating about this film that I wanted to ask you about is that there's so there's a stew of so many things, so many different tones, even different types of comedy. Mm -hmm. um, visually, you know, you can go stop stop animation. You can go and and, but it's really there's these um, things that are bunched up against each other, and you make it work. Um, but you know those kind of transitions. I imagine that's something over you know twenty five years in music, or you know, maybe you've been making music longer. Like you can you can round that corner. You can you know that you can mm -hmm. go from A to B, and it's you yeah. can get the audience there without it being like feeling like yeah, you're being yeah. ripped out of your seat. I'm wondering though because this is so bold, and because you are kind of putting so many different tones and moments together, you know how that you know, figuring out how that was going to work. The fact that you could put these things next to each other, that in the middle of like a very serious scene, uh, a confrontation, you know, it, the dialogue can, can adjust to like, you smell good, no, you smell good, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, or like a, a labor protest that suddenly goes on a little, a little yeah. fun, funny tangent, but also so much visual too, you know, yeah. you can switch visual tones um, yeah. and actually the pacing too. I mean, what, what was that process? Because I mean, it's not a one-to-one -one of how you do that in music to do that in film. Well, I think um, it has to feel, I think, okay, so the first thing is that people have to feel like it's motivated, right? Um, like it, quote-unquote, makes sense, mm -hmm. right? So meaning, even in music, you go from this movement to the other. There's something about it that feels right like it make like it like it works as opposed to let's say a more of a musical collage where somebody is playing um i don't know they're they're playing um dead kennedys and then all of a sudden they just switch it to casey and the sunshine band or whatever mm -hmm. there may be a way for them to find something that's similar in that but it's just these two things but the thing that i think works when you do those things, and the reason why it works in hip hop, for instance, because you can put those two samples together and somebody's rapping them, that there is something going over. There's the rapper that has the same motivation that's going on, and this change hopefully is changing up his flow or her flow, and um, and and represents some sort of at least change of emotion in what they're doing in their performance. So that connective tissue is the fact that all of this stuff, you know, there's nobody is, you know, nobody's going full Will Ferrell when mm -hmm. they're in comedy. Nobody's going melodramatic uh, soap opera in the other things. It's all based on um, some sort of idea that this is all real mm -hmm. right that in this, this what you've created a world and everything in this world is yeah. is it kind of relates yeah. to itself it and has, so the performances like so for instance that one that you just brought up you know that you smell good and have a nice day all those um the quote-unquote easy way to do it that would have just betrayed the whole movie is to do some sort of over-the-top thing mm -hmm. where the uh, the actors were trying to make everybody laugh. So the whole point, though, and this is it was 
that that's one of them that took a lot of takes to mm -hmm. get and um, ended up, you know only the first few lines were written and then we ended up to get there really we had to we went into uh, improvisation um, but it was to get that tone like where they really want to beat each other's ass but are saying these things and for them to believe it and to have that same thing and that's the performance style through the whole thing is that it's all real not you know this might be hilarious but we're not joking and did you have time with the cast beforehand to work out a moment like that one um, between those two actors or is that something where you you had to do it on set well yeah that one you know we had tried we had like a day to read and we had a day off and I got the, the actors were down like you know you have your days off and you've been working a lot you want to go visit people you want to do but they were down to rehearse and we, but that was still one that when we were reading it it's like oh this, maybe this scene might even get cut mm -hmm. you know or something mm -hmm. um and uh then um I kind of as we were doing stuff, I don't remember exactly what we were shooting right before it. We were getting stuff ready, and you know we had had this store nearby, and they were rehearsing. And I kept going, coming back and forth, and checking in. And it was still scary. I was like, "Oh no!" Um, and you know there are things to deal with because Jermaine is a is a comedian, mm -hmm. and you know his style is. Boom, go for it right there. And so, um, and, um, the, and Lakeith is not, but it's still, this is clearly a scene that's supposed to be funny. So, um, then I think an actor that's not, you know, is thinking about that is going towards that. So, it's, so yeah, they had, but we still didn't have it together. And we were, we're on there and we did a number of takes of, just trying to adjust it mm -hmm. and figuring it out, which is why when it really gets funny, we're only shooting over, um, over, um, when it gets really funny, we're only shooting over Jermaine's shoulder because first we had shot the beginning with two mm -hmm. and it was just kind of getting there, but we had to move along. We did 61 locations in 28 days. And so it's a brisk pace. Yeah. And so we, we were like, we had to move along. So we actually had to shoot, like take one of the cameras and shoot Steven's part. And I was like, well, let, you know, we we're going to shoot Steven and, and Danny's part right then. And I was like, well, let's just leave one of the cameras. Because mm -hmm. I felt like they were just getting into it. Mm -hmm. So we left one of the cameras there and shot Steven's part. And then, let, and, and then also shot Danny's part in that same thing um but yeah it was so, so we we just got to it there like at the end that was probably the that part at the end of that scene is probably the last uh thing that they did and um yeah it was uh so so yeah we didn't have a lot of time to rehearse things which is what comes in handy with having great actors mm, you, have you great know cast, you have a great cast what about though there's also an element here that so much of it both the humor but also the sense that this world has been turned upside down and what is what is so unique about this film is, is visual 
you know, a mm -hmm. lot of, and, and there's a lot of sophisticated comedy and also some mixed with some bold filmmaking that is mm -hmm. that is visual. Mm -hmm. I have yeah. to imagine that is also something that, you know, I, I don't know, I know you workshop things at Sundance, but I mean, is there, there, there has to be an element there of also, how's that gonna work? How am I gonna do this stop animation? Not just the, I think that, during his success scene, is that stop, live action stop animation? It's just sped up. It's just sped up. Okay, all right. But yeah, like which it makes it feel like stop motion. Yeah. yeah. But that type of thing, and then there is actual stop motion. But we sp the reason why it feels like stop motion is because we just sped it up on the Avid. Yeah. Which that's not how you're supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. So it gave it this jerky yeah. feeling, and you know, whereas you know, then you know, the effects company like, oh, we can speed that up, but no, that would have been like very smooth and so. That's a perfect like, example, or like, you know, in the beginning. We actually did take out, actually we sped it up and we took out fra uh, extra frames too. That's perfect, that's perfect. But also there's also that element, the first time he's like um, doing, you know, the first time he's doing some of the telemarketing calls, you've got that uh, back office. And I don't know what's going on there, but it's like carry carry, mm -hmm. the papers are going over, the mm -hmm. lighting's, you know, and it's, there's this element of, that sense of like this world is being upside down, but there's also something very visually humorous about this, and it, mm -hmm. you're playing the his wonderful performance in the foreground off the background. These are things that um, you know some great filmmakers have taken like 20 films to, to mm -hmm. like kind of master that kind of visual humor. So you know, just even you could take either of those examples, or just the one that playing with the um, the fast forward and pulling frames. I mean, that's something where yeah, I know there's experimentation. You got great collaborators, but there's part of that that's like you got to kind of how much of that is things that you just kind of planned out and you just watched mm. a lot of movies and you tried to figure out what was going to work? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot. So, for instance, um, I had a lookbook for this with like, you know, dozens of pictures for each scene. Um, I had uh, there, there, the, I had a definite idea of with the production design, how far we wanted to go with it you know, as opposed to, you know, and where we needed to stop mm -hmm. so that it wouldn't, you know, I, I, I listened to so many interviews like this with directors and there's some interview with uh, Terry Gilliam where, from a long time ago, where he was like saying that he, that he was frustrated with people thinking that Brazil was in the future um, when it says right at the beginning somewhere mm -hmm. in the 20th century and, uh, and that definitely had to do with the production design. It was so out there that you're like, okay, this is not just a com. This is a commentary on our time, but he's setting it in the future. And so I, I, I had a clear idea of like that we wanted to push the envelope with the production design, but it still needed to feel like it was right here. Um, I had, yeah, definitely um, having done art for a lot of times, I knew how to learn, you know. I had learned how to learn. So I think with, you know, as I started, even though I was watching films for all those times, um, all that time before, as a student and kind of taking things in, when you have a film that you're trying to do, then you're watching films in a different way. Like, okay, what am I gonna take from this? What is that, you know? So there are films that I, that I love, like uh, Emir Costa Rica, Black Cat, White Cat, and I feel like they've got an energy to it and, um, and, and how things are chaotic and moving and I wanted to create something like that. I think also just being an artist that has been okay with doing things that 
people that there are a group of people that don't like. Mm -hmm. I think if you're a young filmmaker and you've got three people telling you that they don't like what you're doing, or a young artist at all, you know, you got three people do telling you they don't like what you're doing, you really question yourself. Me, I'm like, okay, that's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. See you, great. Do I agree with you? Let me think about that. Yeah, I do, and, or no, I don't, you know. I can still do the thing I want to do, even though other people are like, how? Like the, the paper thing. Mm -hmm. That's something that, you know, there were a couple, we had a lot of producers. So there were a couple producers that were like, do we really need that? That's going to take time. Look at everything you're trying to do. Why do you need this? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And at a certain point, you can try to explain it, why you need it because you can say this is what it will do but there are other ways to do that obviously um and and it would took we had to invent not we the uh prop masters had to invent a thing that would with a blower mm -hmm. um and make this wooden thing that held the paper mm -hmm. um and then had the light going and and um hitting the and, you know so it took us like an hour to figure that one shot out. Where in indie filmmaking, you're like, what are you doing? You're being irresponsible spending an hour trying to make this one shot work, right, right, yeah. you know? Um, but I knew the moment that we needed, you know? And I knew that it would let people know how to watch this movie, you know? Um, and, and so some of it was also off the cuff, like that same scene, when he turns and says, oh, you're going to just stuff all those fries in your mouth? I came up with that right then because I was like, wait, we haven't shot that scene yet. I could, you know, and mm -hmm. so, um, but others were written, other transitions were written into the script already. Um, I think, uh, yeah, for me, I know that, that as a, having produced music, that everything from the snare that you use to the effect that you put on the snare to um, the actual stick that's used to hit the snare. All of those things matter. And I never was like, all that matters is what the song, who the singer is and what the song, you know, all of these little details matter. So that's kind of what I took in. And I also, yeah, I, um, I, I wasn't, I, I think I, I would have, like, I had some folks that kind of challenged me at one point and were like, we need you to write a paragraph for every single thing that's in this movie and why it has to be in there. And, you know, there were a couple of the producers, um, and again, I, like we had nine or 10 producers, so the, the, everybody wasn't on board with this, but they were like, you know, there's so much in this movie that can come out. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote a paragraph for every scene and then some of it for other things inside the scene of why we need it, and I was very disgruntled. But I also, it also, you know, I dug in my heels even more. 
you know, because I was like, you put me through okay. This process of justifying it. <laughs> actually, it's something you feel, and then suddenly I have to justify it. And you're like, now I'm really pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, and so um, it, it just made me even think about it even think about it even more. And, and uh, yeah, and I did watch films in. Uh, so I, I have this this sense that it's not just what happens. It's not just that we need to watch this character go through these mm. things that I want to put the people that are watching through similar feelings. And I have to do that. I have to do it visually. You know, I can't just show you this person and you're going to have a, the only thing that you'll have with that. If you, I felt if I shot it in just a normal way, so you might have some sort of connection with that character and some empathy but I want you to feel like you're going through it so you know like the, the time when he's staring at the elevator um, right before the work stoppage that that's something that I basically stole from uh, Paul Schrader Mishima um, when on um, on the temple of the golden pavilion and there's just a trombone shot and I was like I want to have that same feel because that's the feeling I mm -hmm. thought he had but it's it's a visual thing happening yeah. you know I could have just shown him standing there without the camera moving without any of the stuff happening around him but I I want that that was my thing I wanted people to go through something as they're watching wow. you know um I'll sneak one more. Um, you know, Tessa Thompson in this film, her character is wonderful, but she's also in a lot of ways, I feel like, the soul of so much of this film. Like, and, and, you know, there's, I mean, she's a wonderful actress, but there's really something very unique that she's bringing to this. I, it, it allows you to, I don't want, I hate the word magical realism, but there's something cosmic about her and that performance. And there's something also about, um, taking that role and making it a little bit something more. I think we've seen someone in that role before. The first, the, 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 the girlfriend who's kind of like the, the voice of reason. And this is about something so much more, and, and there's an element of her performance. There's also an element of how you wrote that character, and I couldn't help but think there was an element of you as an artist relating to her as an artist. Oh, definitely. And that where that came from, because there's this magic, there's, this, there's a lot of things that are magic in this movie, but there's something about her performance and the way that you've written this character kind of against the type, and yeah. there's something cosmic I, about I it. Would, I would say that her character is probably the closest to me right now, you know? Um, and as far as, the, you know, um, it, who I am in this moment um, and was while I was writing it, her character is close. They're all parts of me, but. It probably represents more of who I am on a day-to-day -day basis. I think that also, I tried to make it so that she wasn't just the voice of reason because mm -hmm. we see her doing the same thing that she's criticizing mm -hmm. uh, Cassius for. Um, and uh, that some of her things just don't work. Some of, she's you know, figuring things out. Too. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but yeah, I, th I think that's what I put onto the page. And I think what we ended up, there were a number of things that happened because I cast Tessa Thompson. I didn't want people just looking at the screen thinking, you know, this is Tessa Thompson. So I was like, okay, 
we have to change your hair. We have to do something that puts you into another place, just as an actor and for the viewers too. And so looked through stuff and came up with uh, this idea for the hair, um, and which I think then set off a number of things. I mean, the earrings were written into the script and kind of a lot of what drove, because of that, it drove a lot of idea about what her costume had to be that set up a lot of things. Um, but I think um, the things I have her do and some of them um, were controversial, like even like in the edits and getting notes about it and things like that. They were controversial because I did write her and the things that she did as me, you know, where they would be accepted a little bit more were she the male character, you know. Um, and uh, to the extent that they, you know, but so, yeah, that's how I put humanity into the characters was doing that. And I think Tessa, you know, Tessa took it and just brought this these whole other dimensions to it and all of that just the the confluence of all of those things i think created a character that you know is very different from both of both and we have to end it here but both lakeith and, and tessa they, they both as performers and especially in this movie but in general there's this element of where they come and you don't really quite know where they're going to go next do you know in that sense yeah. of like there's the, the the way they play the characters and it's not that they're not true to the characters but they really bring this sense of like as you're watching them, you know, it's not just a choice of right and wrong, but which direction are they going to go and, and this almost unpredictability to them um, that is, is wonderful. I mean, they're just such unique performers and, and to see them with this kind of material yeah. just kind of, it's, it's, it's a special movie. Yeah, I, I could, every, everybody was having fun on the set and I've never really um, been on any other feature set. I've, I, 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 I uh, shadowed David Gordon Green on his television shows right and, right, yeah. and um, stuff like that, but I'd never, I'd never been on a, and been on a lot of music video sets. So there was an atmosphere that, I mean, people were having fun with it. When we were spending a lot of time making these bikes go by, um, scraper bikes, and I just remember as I was like, we, we kept having trouble getting it all lined up. And I just remember um, I was getting a little frustrated. And then Tessa was like, turned to me and said, I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be, you know, in those moments where you, you're in a film where you're looking and there's like a million people looking at you for the answers. That's gotta be. That's, that means a lot. Yeah. I gotta get you out of here, Boots. Boots right. I, I could have. There's a million things I could talk to you about this film because there's a million. This it produces a lot of things to talk about, but it's really wonderful. It's really original, and uh, it's getting even bigger next weekend. So people have to go see it. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. you.